Prepare our hearts to receive your message. Give us peace to deliver clearly the message you have prepared and advanced. In your holy name, amen. Today's scripture reading comes from Isaiah 40, verses 30 through 31, and can be found on page 1,121 in your pew Bibles. <clears throat> Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar like wings, like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Good morning. Well, first off, when we planned Youth Sunday, we weren't expecting snow, so I'm sorry about that. We figured in April there wouldn't be any. And also, I will say this, I think the children's sermon, they were much more attentive than the parents' sermon. <laughs> but that's all right. We're all tired, right? Well, anyway, when thinking of a topic to choose for the sermon on Youth Sunday, I just wanted to try to make it simple. Let's just talk about the youth. I mean, we're doing all this work anyway. We might as well talk about ourselves, right? So first off, let's just talk about how amazing the youth are. Starting with the youths from the Bible. David. I'm pretty sure everybody knows about David. He went out, killed the giant with a slingshot, and then the Israelites were saved from Philistinian rule. However, I always thought David was just a small person, like my sister. Then I got to thinking, is he a small person or is he just young? So I did some digging. I researched a little bit. The best educated guess researchers have come up with is that he was from anywhere to 12 to 15 years old during this fight. Just to put it in some perspective for you, that's the age of a 6th grader to ninth grader. Can you imagine a 6th grader going up to Goliath who stood over 9 feet tall and expect him to win? And David did it all with just a slingshot. But David is just one of the few. I'm only going to talk about four because I'm on a time constriction or whatever it's called. So, And my next youth that I'm going to talk about is Joseph. Whether you know him from Sunday school or from the hit Broadway musical, we've all heard his story. Jacob, his father, loved him the most out of all 12 of his sons. The other 11 brothers didn't like that. So they decided it'd be best if they just sell him into slavery. Again, researchers say that Joseph was around 17 years old at the time of his enslavement. Now, by the end of the story, Joseph is late 30s to mid 40s. However, having to over overcome the fact that all 11 of your brothers would rather have you be a slave for someone else than to live with you at age 17, that would be hard to do. And now let's move on to the New Testament. Specifically, let's start with Mary. She was engaged to a carpenter by the name of Joseph, which is a different Joseph than the one I just talked about. Not even married yet, still a virgin. She became with child. Now, the Apostles' Creed, which the second graders said last week, and we also recited, says, Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, was conceived by the Holy Spirit. However, how many people back then would have believed that? Engaged to a carpenter, people probably assumed one of two things. She and Joseph just didn't want to wait for the wedding, or two, she had relations with another man. Either way, this brought ridicule 
from their peers. Historians believe that Mary was anywhere from 12 to 16 years old when Jesus was conceived and or born. Imagine what names, torment, ridicule, and just downright humility would be brought upon a 12 to 16-year-old girl today if she found out she was pregnant, but she said she was a virgin. I wouldn't believe it, and I bet most of you out there wouldn't believe it either. Yet she overcame all the torment, the ridicule, the humiliation, and she brought unto us a Savior. Speaking of which, Jesus Christ is our next youth. To all you parents out there, can you imagine what it's like to have a child that never does anything wrong? I know for a fact my parents cannot. I'm not afraid to admit it. Canaan doesn't always behave. <laughs> but Mary and Joseph did have a child who never did anything wrong. Jesus never sinned, not once. I did some reading, and the first time his parents seemed to even get slightly mad at him was when he was lost. My parents have experienced that many times, as I like to hide in malls as a young child. <laughs> but when Jesus was 12, they went to the temple in Jerusalem for the Passover, and were walking back home. After a day of travel, they realized, Jesus isn't there. They traveled back to the temple. They found Jesus sitting with teachers, asking questions, and listening to them. His parents asked why he did something like this to them. He merely says, didn't you know I needed to be in my father's house? And it was also estimated that Christ, at the time of his crucifixion, was 33. I'm over halfway to 33 at age 18. That's a little scary to me if I knew my life was already half over. Jesus was never old in his lifetime. And he came to live a short life to allow us to live forever with God. That's the most incredible thing a youth has ever done and ever will in history. Today's youth are still doing amazing things. In our country, youth are leading social change. We are sending kids on mission trips from here to Tennessee, Haiti, and many other places. Just look at the youth who helped pull off this amazing Youth Sunday. If that's not God working in our community, I don't know what is. Every single kid has the potential to do incredible things. From the beginning of time to present day, temptations have always lurked. Adam and Eve gave into temptation right away, and every person following them has also been tempted. Temptation comes in many different forms. People tempt with money, with threats, with promises of better things, with things that we don't actually need. Most adults are aware of these temptations and can protect themselves from them. However, the youth are more vulnerable. They aren't always thinking of the outcomes or consequences of their actions. Temptations are the next main point of my sermon today. And I'm going to speak specifically to college students and seniors right now. You will be faced with so many temptations while in college. Drinking, drugs, partying, video game addictions, the other sex, etc. They will all be temptations every college student will face at one time. You can call your parents from time to time for guidance, but is that really how you want to live your life? Having to call your parents for every decision you're making? My mom probably wishes I would do that, but 
I'm glad that I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Instead of doing that, remember your faith. If you remember your faith, you remember what the right decision is. We're all going to make mistakes. It's inevitable. But the better choices you make, the easier life will be for you. The saying, you'll learn from your mistakes, is a true statement. But I don't want to make a mistake so bad that I can never forgive myself for it. I get a C on a college essay. Okay, I reevaluate and I try harder next time. But I can't take back injuring somebody from drunk driving. It's those tough decisions that we have to stay strong in our faith. WWJD, what would Jesus do? It's a great motto to live by, especially while in college. Would Jesus go to a party when you have a big exam tomorrow? I doubt it. Would Jesus drink underage? Nope. Now, you won't be able to deflect every temptation, but deflect the major ones that will have serious consequences. Seniors, we have 26 days left of high school. After that, your education at Central Line is over. As soon as we leave that school, we're in the real world. It's no longer you go to school five days a week for eight hours a day. You'll have to learn responsibility, integrity, and perseverance. It's coming. Will you be ready? Now I would like to direct this next part mainly to the seniors' parents. A few of you, this will be your second kid out of the house. For others, your first, and for some, your only. The temptations, however, will still be the same. If you won't be able to baby them through every single temptation. It's impossible. You need to trust that your kids will make the cor- correct decisions at the correct times. You can't prepare them for everything either. How do you prepare a child for the first time they're offered alcohol underage? How do you prepare a child for the first time they get into legal trouble? You can't. You can try to teach them right from wrong, but in the end, it's your child's decision, not yours. Now, when your kids do come to you with a question, you don't always need to give them an answer. In fact, it might be better to preach faith rather than to just give an answer based off what you would do. An example of mine, I'm still toying with the idea of doing theater and choir up at SDSU next year. It's a huge time commitment. I will have classes. I hope to have a few friends up there. And overall, it's overwhelming. But at the same time, it's hard for me to imagine doing one without the other. So I talked to my mom about it one night. Now, she already had a long day at school, and when I asked her what she would do, she said, just do what you want and we'll go from there. You may think that's humorous, or it seems like a mother is not really interested in what their child wants to do. But I took that as my mother trusting me to figure it out for myself. It gave me an oh wow moment. It's like, oh wow, this is really happening, and it's happening fast. It's scary, but at the same time, it's exciting. Now, parents, when I say let them think and decide for themselves, that doesn't mean don't give them any advice at all. Honestly, some of the best lessons I've learned from my parents are from their past experiences. I either learn from their mistakes or I admire what they have accomplished. So be there for your kids. But this is college, not high school. Mom, Dad, I'm sorry. You won't see me in the hall every single time in between classes anymore. You won't. But 
you need to loosen the reins. Not let go, but loosen. Otherwise, how will we be successful if we never make our own decisions? Also, you don't need to call them four times a day asking, did you put on deodorant, shower, brush your teeth, do your laundry, meet your future spouse today? Did you say something stupid that got you kicked out of class? <laughs> Other than meeting the future spouse, my parents have all asked me these questions at one point. The sad part is, I've said yes and no to both of them. But I hope my parents will trust me to do the right things in college, and I'm pretty sure they will. And I hope the parents of every other senior will do the same. Graduation is a difficult time for many people. The seniors, their parents and family, Cheryl. <laughs> but I can honestly say, I believe the seniors are in really good shape to go off to college because of being raised in First Reformed Church. All of you are our family. With you, the congregation, teaching us about faith, I have no doubt we are leaving with a great grasp of faith. For all you young people out there, and this even includes new parents and newlyweds, faith is the root for a prosperous life. It's going to be tough. Less and less people are having faith. If you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, then what is your goal in life? Keep your faith. It'll take you farther than any college degree or money ever could. And now we will have Prayer of the People by Ben Benartson. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the snow that fell today, but I think we can all agree it's spring, and if you could let the sun shine, that would be appreciated. I pray that we honor our mothers and fathers, and, they, and that they not exasperate us. I want to pray for Diane Savage's mother, who went into hospice care, Arthur W. Fleer, who will be having hip replacement surgery on April 9 at Sanford in Sioux Falls, Jan Spikesma, who is recovering at home from hip replacement surgery, Steve Crane, whose cancer treatment began on April 2, Pam Foster, Bob Drakey's sister, who is coping with Huntington's disease, Donna Halsoff, who is anticipating surgery at Mayo to remove a mass in her chest, Dawn Vanentop, who has health concerns with her liver, Alice Feikema, who is recovering from recent foot surgery, James Garmeister, Francis Weirheim's grandson, who is recovering from heart surgery, and Tracy Dreyer, Jessica Harmon's mother, as she cares for Jessica's parents, Alice Schoenfeld, and who has stage four cancer, and Tony Schoenfeld, who has stage four COPD at their home in California. I also want to pray for the following individuals who are coping with cancer. Francis Weirheim, Gert Van Ruckel, Lorraine Gerritsen's mother, Ted, Ho Ted Hogendorn, who is receiving hospice care at the Rock Rapids Health Center, Stephen Dave Quickle, Arnie and Donna Quickle's sons, Laurel I. Reynolds, Lorraine Schramm's sister, Jeff Jan Jankard, Deb Marcus's brother, Marilyn Kuyper, Ethany Polsher's aunt, and Brittany Bauman, Tom and Cheryl Bauman's daughter-in-law. I pray for everyone in active military service and their families, everyone who is grieving the loss of a loved one, everyone who falls asleep during this prayer, and anyone not aforementioned. Amen. <laughs> 